Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the weekend preview. <laughs> and the UFC looks to take a bite out of the Big Apple as we got back-to-back-to-back massive fights, two title fights, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pajera, the man who has defeated him twice. Can he overcome the odds? Co-main event for the women's strawweight title, Carla Esparza looks to make the first defense of her title against the former champion, Zhang Weili, and the everyman fight. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler, a fight that cannot suck. Right? Right? Please say I'm right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, Also, we do have a headline here. Unfortunately, there is a big fight coming up that is now off the table. And we do have plenty of more UFC 281 to talk about. So all this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Thank you for joining us for another preview episode. My name's Noah Baker. I'm one half of your hosting duo. The man to my right, the man with quite a bit of decor in the background, the man with an ass that don't quit, Dominic Salee. How are you feeling today? You know, I think we made the most of our last couple episodes, but admittedly, even though, yes, we there is a place in our heart for those small cards. With mm-hmm. you got to really dig deep into the details, get to know some of these fighters. But it feels pretty good to be talking about some big fights again. Can we agree? I mean, this is a massive, massive card. After the massive UFC 280 pay-per-view we had in October, ladies and gentlemen, we're just going to be honest. This card runs much deeper if you're gonna if I'm gonna put That's it to true. you quite frank. So I, I'm excited, man. We've got over half the card we get to talk about on today's show. We finally have a headline again for the first time in six weeks. It's gonna be a phenomenal episode. It's gonna be a great weekend and next couple of weekends here for your Joe's on the camera. That's so true. I'm ready to get into it, Noah. How are you doing? I know you got big plans this weekend as well. I do. I'm doing very well. Um, coming home to, as you guys are watching this, I'll be at work and then I'm going to leave and go back to Ohio, the torrential drive down to the other part of the Midwest. Basically, mm-hmm. um, I do have big plans. Me, my dad, my dad's best friend. We are all traveling up to Ann Arbor mm-hmm. for Saturday's Michigan Wolverine versus Nebraska Cornhusker game. Mm-hmm. What a dilemma I have put myself in Dom, because I bought these tickets a while back Admittedly, huge Ohio State fan here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I hate Michigan with every ounce of my being. Mm-hmm. I think that's needless to say. Dominic, also a fellow Ohio State fan. True. But I, at the end of the day, I'm more than an Ohio State fan. I'm a huge college football fan. Yeah. So because of that, I have this uh, want to go check out all the classic college football stadiums, check out all these games. I hope to hit every Big Ten and SEC and Mac school along the way. Of course, of course. And um, it was easy to start with Michigan because my dad, unfortunately, I mean, uh, a house divided. My dad is Mm. a massive Michigan fan. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I'm a massive Bengals fan, guess who he roots for? No kidding. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Wow. Could I have become a bigger disappointment to the guy? I don't know. I know. Wow. I didn't want to go to the game, you know, by myself, but I wanted someone that would commit 
and I knew my dad and his buddy would commit to go into a Michigan game. So I was like, all right, let's go. So Michigan, Nebraska it is, but again, it's a dilemma because I hate Michigan. So you would think, well, you're going to be rooting your ass off for Nebraska, right? Well, Well, if you guys may not recall, if you're new to this channel, you may not remember, but I spent a week in a place called Kearney, Nebraska, and I try not to be dramatic around here, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna do that for this. I'm just gonna say it was the worst week in my life. Right. Yeah. Um, my body is still not recovered. Mm. Mm-hmm. Broken back. Broken back. Spinal. Some would say. Spinal. I broke my back. What do you mean by that? You my broke back, back is broken. What a vertebrae or, or well, what portion? Spinal. Not a vertebrae. So right. Because of that, I hate Nebraska so much as a state. And if you're from Nebraska, I mean this with no disrespect, but you should be ashamed of yourself. I plan to hammer Michigan minus 30 and a half. And, and I mean, that's a that, – <laughs> just see, I always look down at the worst times. Don's making notes on the sheet. Um, <laughs> Uh, you guys just saw the clip. It's hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> um, you should be ashamed of yourself. But I'm hammering Michigan on the spread, and it's all mm-hmm. Nebraska. It's all Carney's fault. So if you guys want to blame anybody, blame Carney, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair. Now you know where I may do that through Dom. Who would that be through? That would be through a little, just a little guy named Points Bet Sportsbook. Oh. Although perhaps little in stature, they are big in what they offer, people, because they have a great offer for you right now. It Right before UFC 281, you can take advantage of this. Right now, if you want to sign up for PointsBet Sportsbook, they are going to match on your initial deposit 100% up to $2,000. There are two ways that you can get this offer. One, you go into the description of today's episode. Take that link, sign up, put in your deposit. It's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Or you can download the PointsBet Sportsbook app, take a look around, see how you like things, check out some lines, sign up, but then you got to use code MMAJOES. Mm. Dominic, you want to give that one a second try? Yeah, it would be MMAJOES. Thank you, Dom. You put that in at sign up, put in your deposit, it gets matched. Free money, people, that you can use uh, to gamble responsibly. Of course, so, yes. So with that, Dom, let's head into the main event of UFC 281. I'd also like to remind everyone that all of the odds that you're seeing on your screen are from the lovely people over at PointsBet Sportsbook. So you can go and take advantage of these right now. Mm-hmm. In our main event, Dom, for the middleweight title, this is actually the third time these two are going to fight one another, but the first inside of the octagon. Israel Adesanya, you all know Izzy, the long-standing middleweight champion, the man who is qu- quickly creating a legacy for himself as one of potentially the top fighters of all time. Yeah. But he has to go up against a man who has defeated him twice, knocked him out. And Alex Pajera, of course, both those fights happening in the kickboxing realm. Now they are both over in MMA. So, Dominic, we have turned a little as of late. Uh, after his last fight with Jared Cannonier, that was a pretty big card back in July, International Fight Week. 
Mm-hmm. Izzy talked a big game, went in, not the best fight in the world. We fully admit the guy is one of the most talented fighters in the world. Mm-hmm. But we felt like it's worthy to be critical of because he sells very hard and he seems to not be delivering. And I, I've noticed a lot of this week I'm seeing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing him saying, I'm ready to die. I'm seeing something that he's saying, he's telling Ariel, I know something you don't. He's really, really hammering it hard. And Dominic, there's this little saying, uh, a wise man named George W. Bush once said. Yeah. And it goes, it goes a little something like, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Mm-hmm. You fool me, you can't get fooled again. Right. So are we going to get fooled again Saturday night, or do you have more faith in this main event to deliver? Well, guys, if you remember when I th- we first talked about this fight being made, I was a little hesitant. A little hesitant mm-hmm. to pull the trigger on the excitement factor because I, quite frankly, just haven't seen that as of late uh, with Izzy in his last three fights. Last four fights, really, have all gone the distance in five-rounders. And Alex Pajera, while, yes, dangerous, another amazing striker, a kickboxing phenom. That's where he beat Izzy twice, once by decision, once by knockout. But he's a great counter-striker as well. And Izzy is a great counter-striker. So what's going to happen when you put two of them together in the cage? That's where my worry comes into play. Someone's going to have to pull the trigger. Someone's going to have to go. Someone's going to have to initiate. And I just don't have a lot of hope here. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But I I think we could see um, a very similar fight from Izzy that we've seen these last few. Play it safe. Get those points. Do what he has to do. His fight IQ is off the chain. We can't deny that again. I think the frustration that Noah talks about is that we know how great Izzy is, so we get frustrated when we don't get to see it all come to Mm -hmm. fruition in those fights, in those cages, like we did in the early days, like we did against Kelvin Gaston, like we did against Paulo Costa in the first Robert Whitaker fight. Those are the types of performances that are worth all this hype that he portrays upon himself, not these last few. So it's just a matter of him letting loose, and I just don't know if this is the type of matchup that we're going to see it. Noah, I even may pose a question over under one-and-a-half takedowns in this fight because don't be surprised if Izzy implements a little bit of that MMA game into this fight with Alex Pajero, who's known for his kickboxing. He's done good so far, Alex has, in terms of the takedown defense and whatnot, keeping it on the feet. But Izzy's the highest level that this game can be. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes for a takedown or two, maybe even three. Yeah, over under, I will take the under, but I could definitely see there being a takedown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would be hesitant to believe that that would happen throughout the fight. Right. But I will admit, I've been wrong about this before. Look at what Francis Ngannou did to begin our year. We yeah. thought his route to victory was to clearly knock out Surreal Gunn, and instead he implemented a heavy wrestling mm-hmm. strategy in the later rounds so anything's possible and izzy has been training mma full-time mm-hmm. for yes. quite a few years longer than alex Pajera. alex Pajera, pretty new to this overall mm-hmm. i mean he's he's a lethal on the feet but we just haven't really seen the guy get too tested in his takedown defense i believe some people, I, I can't. Who was his first fight? Do you remember the gentleman's name he fought? In his oh, first goodness. Fight uh, Michaelitis. Michaelitis yes. was the first yeah. fight. Andreas Michaelitis. Thank you. Mm. 
Um, Mikolaitis, not like a great grappler, but he did try, and it showed that maybe it made Pejera a little uncomfortable. But obviously you saw how that fight ended, Pejera with the flying knee finish. Yeah. And then against Sean Strickland, I mean, I don't know what Strickland was really trying to do there. Pejera kind of, he sent his head into the, the bleachers. But yeah. Um, here... I got to admit, Dom, I was very much with you when this fight got announced. I, I was, again, you, we have to keep saying it because I understand there is a lot of people that just love Israel Adesanya. They are huge fans of him, and you guys should continue to be huge fans of him. Yeah. Dominic can understand that as someone who grew up being a massive Anderson Silva fan. Yeah. There was a time where people became critical of Anderson Silva. Think of the Damian Maya fight where even Dana White refused to put the belt around his waist there in Rio. Mm-hmm. Or, no, not Rio. Sorry. That one and was in uh, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Yes, correct. Abu Dhabi. One of the only times that's ever happened. Um, so you, But then obviously the legacy over time, People don't remember really that for Anderson Silva. It's the highlights. It's the streak. It's the title mm-hmm. defenses. It's the dominance, right? Yeah, yeah. So for Israel Asanya, I fully admit that if he really just keeps going, he has a good, a really flashy finish here or there, it's all going to really be water under the bridge at the end of the day. Like We're going to remember him as one of the best fighters of all time. I don't blame him for doing this. Mm-hmm. But what, since I'm saying that, since I'm telling him, like he he'll be the first one to tell me or you to our faces, he does the change for us, and I'd be like, yeah, you're right. But I don't think I also think on the other coin of that, he shouldn't expect anybody to not be critical of it if it's not right. exciting to watch. I mean, that's what we're getting at here. These these fights are just not delivered, and he's constantly being a main eventer. He's one of the biggest stars, and he's being put on these massive fight cards. And the fights aren't delivering. And if he didn't talk such a big game going in, we'd probably take it more easy on him. But he constantly oversells these fights to the point where you're like, God, I don't even. He does the walkouts with the Undertaker stuff yeah. gone. I, I remember I even text the boys and I said, Guys, Izzy by KO. I mean, there's yeah. no way. You don't <laughs> yeah. walk out to this and not deliver. Right. And you saw what happened. And there is a lot of a blame that could be shed on the opponents too. Jared mm-hmm. Cannonier mm-hmm. did not do a whole lot in that fight. And, you know, you look at some of the previous ones with like Paulo Costa, you know, the wine or whatever. I mean, that was not a great moment for him, but it's a pattern with this Adesanya. And I fully get it. The dude's one of the best in the world, but in terms of excitement for this fight, I'm going to admit, Dom, I'm a little bit hooked. I think I'm being hoodwinked again. Hey, I'm here for it. I'm glad. You want to know You want to know what won me over? Let's hear it. What, 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 what won me over? You probably would have guessed it if I gave you a couple tries. That video of Alex mm. Pajara being interviewed. And he's yeah. out. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's a little video. It's kind of cheesy because it's like him with a little bow and arrow out in the wilderness. But, dude. <laughs> it's cold. The words, they hit hard. They yeah. hit hard. And I I watched that and I said, All right, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. in. Yeah. <laughs> and I fully admit I'm I, I am I'm on I'm I just said the quote. George W. Bush quote. 
Mm-hmm. And I, but I'm ready to be disappointed again, and I will be back here on Sunday being like, God damn it, he did it again, and blah, blah, blah. But I hope that what we see here is some very high-level striking. I hope we see two guys that are aggressive and trying to get the one-up on one another. Pahara looking to really etch his name in MMA history and mm-hmm. take down the guy who he's already beaten twice, while Israel Asanya perhaps being more aggressive due to the fact that he can't stand this, that this guy has beat him twice and he has to get that victory. It has the makings of great potential. But oh, yeah. we've seen this before and it has not. So I'm still I'm buying in. I can't help it, Dom. Yeah, I'm glad you are. It really it's all it's all there. It's all built in. The storylines and everything. It's just what's gonna happen. We're gonna lock this cage door and let these two guys hopefully get after it. Someone at some point, I feel like, is going to have to make the decision to go. If mm. it starts how I'm expecting it to, which will be a f- massive feeling out process, I would expect. Someone is going to have to make the decision to make this a fight. Um, and it's just My question, let me ask you a question, not to cut you off. But mm. since you brought that up, you said someone's going to have to go for it. If you had to put money on who's going to be the guy that becomes the aggressor, who are you taking to be that guy? I have to go Alex. I have to go mm-hmm. Alex because of the um, – I think it's the lesser experience in MMA in general in these big moments. Izzy's been there time and time again. I never noticed this until I was noting today. This is going to be Izzy's 14th UFC fight. No, it's going to be his 10th UFC main event. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Wow. That he's had That's that many main events and that short amount of fights. He's been in these moments, man. Five title defenses, numerous five-round fights. He knows how to pace himself for five rounds. He knows when to find the shots and then evade. I think if someone has to make that decision, it will be Alex. Unless Alex gets Izzy on the back foot early, maybe we see a whole different type of Izzy come out mm. after that. But we've yet to see that happen. No one's really made... Israel Adesanya uncomfortable in that octagon, except for Kelvin Gastelum in 2019, right? So Isn't that crazy to say that? I, I mean, the guy, and again, I patented this over two years ago now, the Izzy effect I think is still a thing. I think he does mm. freeze up opponents, but Alex Behera has the makings to break that spell. We'll see. But if I had to put money on it, no, I yes, I have to go. If someone's going to press forward and make that instant decision, I go, Alex, what about yourself? I want to, I want to talk about confidence. I'm going to answer your mm-hmm. question, but I, I, my answer is due to the confidence. Yeah. Maybe misguided since we are in a new sport, really, a sport that adds a lot more dimensions to the fighting mm-hmm. game. Alex Pajara has to be probably more confident than any other guy that st- stepped in front of Izzy because he's beat him twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Izzy has that same level of confidence. I would like to think so. Mm. He sure talks. I sure believe it when he talks like that. Yeah. He's never shown to waver in his confidence at all. Right. But it has to be in the back of your mind that not only did this man beat you twice, he straight up knocked you out cold. They had to stretcher him out of the ring. Mm-hmm. That has to stick with you a little bit. Yeah, it's in his mind. It has to be. And I and that's why I would agree that I could foresee, if I had to put money on it, I would foresee Alex to be the aggressor. Yeah. Because there may be a bit of, 
tentativeness for uh, there's a feeling out process i should call it for izzy especially yeah but alex whether it it could end up biting him in the ass but i could see him being like i beat this dude twice i'm going at him maybe just take a chance right Mm -hmm. and i mean we have not i don't think you have i know i can say i've not watched either of the kickboxing bouts from what i've heard I don't know if it was the one where the knockout occurred or the decision fight. I think it was the one with the knockout. I'm pretty sure Izzy was like piecing up Pahara. That was the second fight. The first one went to a decision. I've second heard that the decision was... fight was really close though as well. So. Yes, yes. So I've heard that. And then I heard in the, sec- the second fight, I guess it was a third round KO. But for the first two rounds, I guess Izzy was doing a really good job of like piecing mm. up Pahara. And then yeah. he just got caught. Now that happens. Could that happen again here for sure? But... I think that's why a lot of the belief, even though, yes, Izzy's been more established, been around in MMA longer, I also think there's a belief that maybe Izzy's in his prime. Pahara maybe not quite in his prime anymore. I think he's 36, 37 years old. Mm-hmm. And perhaps when they fought previous, the roles were kind of reversed where Izzy was this young up-and-comer who hadn't quite developed into the star he is now while Pahara yeah. was in his prime and still close fights. So... um it, it had, there's a lot of layers to this fight. I do quite find myself buying into the story behind it. I don't like. I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic that it can deliver, but I it, it's I fully respect Dom for for. I think he's the smarter one here for for being a little less optimistic. For now, I just hope that Noah's the one that ends up right come Saturday evening. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's move on to the co-main event, Dominic. Other title on the line this time the women's strawweight title carlos barza a plus 200 underdog dom mm-hmm. in her first title defense as she takes on the former women's strawweight champion zhang wei lee minus 375 no respect to yeah. the champion tell me why do you think the odds are these are this lopsided i think a lot of people out there kind of feel this way about the fight but maybe articulate it like why is it seem like almost a given to most fans right now that Zhang Wei Li is just going to come in here and stop uh, Carlos that, Barza. That, that's a good question. I'd like to think it's got to just be the types of fights that Zhang Wei Li is involved in mm. and just the way in which she, her style isn't really built to be in a boring fight, truthfully. Like even in her decision fight with Rose, I was never bored in that fight. That was a very high level women's yeah, MMA fight that I enjoyed a lot. Carlos five round fight with Rose, complete opposite of what I just said for Zhang Wei Li. So I just think I think it's the types of performances that Zhang Wei Li puts on. I think it's the types of fights that she puts on. And uh she's just been so relevant in the title picture these last couple years as compared to Carla. Yeah, she's the champion now. But she didn't win it in great fashion, even good fashion for that matter. Some would say she didn't even win the fight at all. And But before that, even with this win streak she's on, she's won six in a row. It took five to get back to that shot, and people still just didn't really care. Zhang Weili is just more relevant, if I'm going to be honest, in terms of the casual fans' eyes for sure, and even the hardcore fans. She's just way more active recently as well. I think there's a lot of factors like that that go into this, and... No, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I don't even disagree with these odds. I, I do think Zhang Weili is going to have quite a performance here. I, I I get the vibes of Zhang Weili smash, even, potentially. Um, she just comes out guns ablaze, and I don't know if Carla Esparza's fight style is going to be prepared for that. I, I don't. 
I completely agree with you, and yet that scares me. Yeah. It scares yeah. me. Because yeah. it seems like everybody thinks that. Everybody is believing John Wei Lee come in here, first round KO, TKO, and she takes back the belt. And for some reason, that makes me think that Carlos Barza is going to somehow win this fight. It doesn't yeah. seem like a possibility because really, Dom, we know what Carlos Barza is going to look to do here. Her wrestling is phenomenal. Yes. But can she really take down and hold Zhang Wei Li on top when Zhang Wei Li is one of the strongest women in all of MMA? And her I mean, wrestling her has been leaps and bounds improved as well. It has. It has. Now, I think Carla could take her down. Yeah. I yeah. do. Because I'm not because sh- Zhang Wei Li's takedown defense, maybe. We've seen, Dom, where we're learning more and more as we go along. Like, sometimes just because someone's offensive wrestling looks very improved, their defensive mm-hmm. wrestling could maybe falter behind, like Surreal Gan, for example. Mm-hmm. So... In this fight, maybe that's a hole and maybe Carla can expose it, but Zhang Wei Li is so strong. She's so yeah. strong and powerful. Look at the video of her picking up Francis Ngannou like he's nothing. I yeah. mean, the woman is a brute. I don't yeah. Carla's very small for this division. Yes. I mean, not it's not small and and she's small in stature, but she does have some definite strength to her, but I could just I just don't think she can hold Zhang Wei Li down for 5 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we saw what she did to Yan Zhaonan, another fighter who's pretty, you know, got some good strength to her. Mm-hmm. She decimated her with the ground and She pound. did. Yeah. I don't know if she could really do that to Zhang Wei Li. I just, I, I have a hard time seeing it. That, yes. Um, yeah. And I have a very easy time seeing Zhang Wei Li go in there and sort of do what she did to Jessica Andrade when she won the belt, where she just yep. comes at her, she has no respect for anything that Carla has to offer and puts her away early. I could yeah. see it happening that way. But because that seems to be the popular opinion, like everybody believes that, it, it, it worries me a little bit. It almost makes me think, Dom, because this almost feels like one of those where we're going to have three units on something, and we know that yep. that is the kiss of death for yeah. anything that we do betting-wise. So if I see you send me that you're putting something I was going to put two units on, I'm flipping it. Reverse. Carla by decision. <laughs> Hedge each right other. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but in all seriousness, I mean, I am excited for this fight because since it's such a given to a lot of people, what's going to happen? I look forward to seeing if Carla can surprise us at all. Because yeah. admittedly, the way she got the felt felt unearned. Yeah. Not that it was necessarily a fight that she should have lost. It was a fight that really... Nobody the, won. the fan yeah the fans lost that was yeah. Yeah. her and Rose KO'd the fans in the first round and <laughs> yeah. we were snoozing the rest of the way yeah so that fight was terrible it's one of the worst fights ever probably not to be mm-hmm. dramatic but because of that it's hard to really appreciate the fact Dom that it took her I mean it's it's a great story in a lot of ways if oh you it take is that out of it you yeah. know she's the inaugural women's strawweight champion. Mm-hmm. She got destroyed by Joanna Champion back in the day, and we thought we'd just never hear about Carla again. And then slowly but surely, yep. she's climbed the ranks. She's beaten girls like Marina Rodriguez and Jan Jaunan, who were sort of being pegged as the next wave of the division. And she's kind of holding her ground and saying, "Nuh-uh, like I am here. I'm still one of the best in the world." So I sort of look forward to see her have a chance to prove it. 
and maybe put on a better performance, better fight overall, because I think Zhang Weili is going to bring bring it. But admittedly, my faith is low in her for to really get it done. Yeah, yeah, I would have to agree. Really, you hit every single nail on the head. I don't even really know much more input that I can add. I, I mean, what do you even say, Carla? Just it, <laughs> the recency bias comes into play here a little bit too, right? Because you're only you're as good as a, your last fight. That's what yeah. They say. Well. And then you look, yeah, Carla won, but I mean, nothing really was done. And then you look at Zhang Weili, spinning back elbow, knocks out Joanna Young Jacek. I mean, it's just two polar opposites here in terms of their last fights. The momentum, even though Carla's won six in a row, the momentum is heavily, heavily on the side of Zhang Weili, in my opinion, man. And the perfect way to put it is what you said. You just can't see a world where Carla can like hold Zhang Weili down for five minutes, let alone five rounds, blah, blah, blah. But you can see a world where Zhang Weili comes in and just steamrolls. I'm mm-hmm. in the same exact mindset, man. So, and I, I liked your little storyline and how you twisted it though, because yeah. you said that you're excited for this fight and it is partly because you want to see if Carla can surprise you. I like that narrative. I don't think mm-hmm. it's something you're going to see out there very often. Shout out to our show. Subscribe. And uh, I like that narrative. I really do. And it's something to pay attention to because it's possible. Zhang Weili's not unbeatable, mm-hmm. right? It's just yeah. we need to see something a little different wrinkle in Carla's game because I think we just know what we're going to see from Zhang Weili in every fight. It is a, it is very much an example of you're only as good as your last fight. Zhang yeah. Weili retired Yoan and had one of the craziest knockouts of the year, spinning back fist. Yeah. Carla had that terrible fight with Rose. Yeah, but then you go one fight back. Wei yep. Li was involved in a very close split decision with Rose for the title. Good fight. Carla put a beat down on Yan Zhao Nan. So yeah. yeah, you see my point. Like if you go one fight back, like all of a sudden, I still think you lean pretty heavily Wei Li, but it opens it up a little bit more maybe mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. her to maybe shock some people with how she looks here. Um, yeah, I just I like her story. I'm not rooting against her. No. You know, I think a lot of people are going to be actively rooting against her because yeah. they feel like her in the title picture is going to lead to a lot of boring fights. Mm-hmm. But I want her to, I would love for her to go out there and prove me wrong. I would. Yeah. 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 Let's go on to the feature bout of the evening, Dom. This oh. fight can't suck, right? It can't suck. Just tell me I'm right, please. It can't no, suck. you're 100% right. I mean, it's it's not. he ain't wrong, people. He ain't wrong. <laughs> so Dustin Poirier, uh, shout out to him, by the way. His hot sauce, now an official sponsor of the UFC. So we may see a little yeah. bit of that around the octagon on Saturday. He's the number two ranked lightweight in the world, and he's taking on the number five ranked Michael Chandler. Uh, these two guys have been sort of being matchmaked uh, in our fa- our fantasy matchmaking. We've had these two guys sort of pegged as they have to fight eventually from the moment Michael Chandler got signed two years ago now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's never happened. There's been a lot of barbs traded back and forth. Dustin Poirier saying he doesn't deserve the fight. Uh, Michael Chandler kind of coming back and saying he's an asshole. You know, we've had those little skirmishes. Was that UFC? That was International Fight Week when they had Yeah, the, they got into it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's when that happened. So these are two of the most likable guys for the fans. Yeah. And that's why it's so weird how much they dislike each other. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to lead Dom to a pretty exciting fight here. We know Michael Chandler in his short time with the company – always delivers win or loss. I mean, if you look down the list of fights, 
Dan Hooker, great knockout. Charles Oliveira for the title. Awesome fight, awesome comeback by Charles, but a fight that that Michael Chandler very close to winning the lightweight title. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and fights Justin Gaethje, fight of the year for the Joeys last year. Yeah. Then Tony Ferguson, all-time knockout. Yeah. It's insane. And it was it was a great fight overall. So now you're here with Dustin Poirier, another guy who has constantly delivered, who we've yep. been waiting to get back in here since he lost in his bid for the lightweight title against Charles last December. But Dominic, these odds tell an interesting story because Dustin Poirier, somewhat of a heavy favorite, minus 210, Michael Chandler plus 170. Now, I guess that would mean Michael Chandler, 2-2 two and two in the UFC, I believe that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even though he's been great and he's had some great moments, he's a 500 fighter in a lot of ways right now. While Dustin Poirier has been there, done that, he's beat Conor McGregor twice, he's he's really reached the pinnacle of the sport, and he's taken down the other names like Dust, uh, about said Dustin Poirier, Eddie Alvarez, and Justin Gaethje, and those kind of guys. So he's been the more proven guy in this division, Dom. But tell me, when I look at this fight, even though uh, if you look at the ages, I'm going to assume Michael Chandler's older than Dustin Poirier. 30, 36 for Michael, 33 for Dustin. Yeah, so three years older. I mean, 33 is still kind of in your prime, technically. And then yeah. 36, I mean, that's that's the tail end. That's Just when you out, really start, yeah. Especially at 155 pounds, that's when you start seeing the downward. Yeah. But is it... When I look at this fight, I tend to have more reservations about what kind of Dustin Poirier we're going to get here Mm. versus what kind of Michael Chandler we're going to get here. Do you have similar feelings? I know you're a big Dustin Poirier guy, so I'm curious your thoughts as you go in here. Yeah, this is a... I mean, this is a fan-friendly fight if I've ever seen one, first and foremost. I I don't really know... Like, I should know what to expect in this fight. I, I... Deep in the pit of me, I just think it's going to be a dog fight. I mean, expect basically Gaethje Chandler last year at MSG. <laughs> now the 2022 version of that kind of. Yeah. Um, I don't go in with expectations like that because when you do as a fight fan, you usually get left you know, in the dust thinking that way. But that's just kind of the initial vibe. But I think it's a little bit uh, more to this one than Chandler versus Gaethje. I just think Dustin has a few more wrinkles in his game overall than uh, what Justin Gaethje has. I think he's got, you know, obviously he has submission threats. You don't see him a lot lately in his career, but he has them. He has very good wrestling offensively and defensively. We saw Chandler shoot for takedowns against Justin Gaethje. Never forget the fucking 360 whirlwind (laughs) they did in the middle of the sky. So I I think this just has a a few more storylines in terms of the skill sets that these two bring into the cage that is making me more intrigued um, than... mm, Ooh, that might be... No, I'm going to do it. I think I am a little bit more invested, intrigued in this one than Gaethje Chandler last year. And not just because I'm a fan of Dustin. I just think because of what we're going to see in the cage, the rivalry outside of the cage, too, it feels a little surprising that two guys like this would Mm -hmm. not um, like each other. And it really is a very competitive rivalry rather than like personal because Dustin felt that Chandler came into the UFC and was getting handed these opportunities. Mm -hmm. Dustin's fought and crawled his way into title shots two different times. So that's where the investment is for me. It's very, it hits deep for both these guys. They want to beat each other in the state of 
competitiveness to get to a title shot potentially. So I really like it. I'm actually curious to kind of get your scoop on that as well, what you're Mm -hmm. maybe expecting or not so much expecting in this fight. I came through with the storyline last fight, and then look at you. You just one-upped me, got one right there. That's great points right there. The reason behind the dislike yeah. comes from the the Dana White privilege as the great Tony Ferguson, the now Harvard undergrad uh, Tony yeah. Ferguson yeah. Uh, said. So the reason why I have some reservations about Dustin Poirier is, Dominic, I think I'm just always going to moving forward because I don't know how much time yeah. he wants to do this that. for. Mm-hmm. And – you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to compromise anything just because maybe he thinks he only has a couple fights left. I think he's taking this serious. I think he wants to win this fight. I think he's going hard training for it and everything else. Like I, I'm not saying that, but when you start having the talk of like, you know, feel like he's, he started to kind of mention retirement a little bit. Almost one foot out the yeah, door. Yeah, like walk. he's not quite have a foot out the door, but he's kind of yeah. leaning in that direction. Yeah. And I always get worried when fighters do that Yeah. because once your head's in that space, it's hard to mm. switch it back. Because yeah. Michael Chandler still has an aspiration to fight for the lightweight title, yes. to win a championship, to make yes. his legacy more firm in the UFC history books, Dustin Poirier could certainly win this fight and find himself back in a title fight, but I'm not sure if he's really taking this fight because of that. Like, I'm not sure if he's, I don't know how much he's invested in getting back to the title. He Mm -hmm. lost to Charles. I wonder if a part of him feels like, you know what? My legacy is secure. I have a great family. I got great hot sauce. You know, yeah. what else is there to really do? I'm just going to kind of fight out my contract and then go out into the sunset. Like, that's yeah. kind of what I wonder about him. Even though Michael Chandler, three years older, he should be the one that's maybe, you know, starting to have those whispers of retirement. But I don't see that in him. He seems to be even more motivated after the way that Charles fight went to get right back in that spot. Duh. Dustin, I just don't know. But he did kind of prove me wrong with the Charles fight. I mean, he was game for that fight and yeah. really brought it to Charles early on before the the grappling and submissions of Charles kind of took over. But I don't know. It's It should be a great fight either way. The motivation for Dustin, regardless of if he cares about you know getting a title fight or being champion at this point, the motivation should be there because this is the guy who is sort of, in his mind, He's the averse Dustin mm. Poirier. Dustin mm. Poirier, like to your point, I mean, that man was never given anything. He was fed to the likes of Conor McGregor and his rise. He was constantly the stepping stone. Yeah. So he had to scratch and claw, get to those title fight opportunities, and hasn't been able to secure the title fight. Right. So Michael Chandler, before he even stepped foot in the octagon, was weighing yeah. in to be an alternate for a lightweight title fight. So yeah, yeah, you have to. I'm sure in a lot of ways he feels like I need to teach this guy a lesson, show him that like you you don't just come into the big leagues and you know start winning titles just because you were a big guy over in Bellator doesn't mean you're going to be the same way here. I 
worked my way through the ranks here. I'm better because of that. And then he's going to, what he thinks, beat him that night. So mm. it it ultimately should be a very emotional and just awesome fight. Yeah. I understand we shouldn't have the expectations of Gaethje Chandler because you don't get those fights very often. Yeah. But it's going to be hard to not hope for that. Right. <laughs> Right, yeah. It, it's going to be a good one, man. Like you said, there's no way it's going to be boring. It's going to be very, very good. Yeah. We got one headline to get into before the rest of UFC 281, and that's over with our friends at the PFL, Dom. Mm. They have, of course, their big championship card coming up. November 25th, my birthday, Ooh, is when yeah. this is supposed to go down. One of the big marquee fights that was on that card Shane Burgos making his debut with the PFL, going up against another debutante in the Magic Man, Marlon Marais. Now you see me. Now you don't. But uh, unfortunately, Shane Burgos out of that fight. The man is injured. They are looking for replacements to take on Marlon Marais. They got Um, one. Oh, they did? I did not it's hear the, this. It's, it's Marais Squared. He's fighting Shaman Marais. I think that's how you say his first name. <laughs> it's a Shaman. So the loser has to change their last name, but yes. Uh, but they moved s- it all the way down to the prelims now. So Okay. Well, it'll still be interesting to see how Marlon Marais looks, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Going oh, yeah. to a different company. Taking on someone. I mean, we did not love the Shane Burgos matchup for him especially. So I, I'm I'm a little more on board with this one. Shaman Marais, not a bad fighter by any means, but if you're going to be competitive in the PFL, you should win a fight like that. I was uh, I was actually dumb. I was going to say if there hadn't been an opponent announced, I was going to be like, well, the chances, you know, Eddie Alvarez can cut like 30 pounds. <laughs> 30 you know? pounds, like, yeah. I was like, yeah. you know, Dom's been talking about Eddie Alvarez being on this card, but uh, yeah, I guess that will not be the case. I guess we will not be seeing a Bantamweight debut or a Featherweight debut for Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah, I, it sucks for Shane because I really am excited to see what he can do in PFL. But part of me is happy in a sense because I, I didn't need to see Shane Burgess versus Marlon Marais. So all is well on Marlon's side, at least for now. We'll see what happens when he gets in there. True. Let's get into the rest of UFC 281 for the final time. Frankie Edgar will make the walk into the octagon. And he takes on a man with some of the deadliest leg kicks in all of MMA, Chris Gutierrez. Yeah. This has been a long, long journey for Frankie Edgar, the former lightweight champion. The man has fought in three different weight classes. He's fought for the featherweight title. He's went back down to Bantamweight, had some decent success there. Unfortunately, age has caught up. And we've seen that, you know, the, the Marlon Vera fight, he looked good early. And then one of the craziest knockouts you'll ever see happen. That was, of course, uh, was that at MSG last year? I believe it was. Oh, it was. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So Frankie Edgar, of course, from New Jersey. This is sort of the, the hometown send-off for him in the state over New York. He is getting an opponent who has less name value, who is out of the rankings. So in a way, it's a step back. But Dominic, is it really a step back going up? I mean, yes, Marlon Vera is one of the best in the division. I guess it clearly is. But compared to the likes of like a Pedro Munoz who he fought or mm-hmm. some of these other guys he was fighting at the end, is Chris Gutierrez a good opponent to send him out? Or is there a big risk that we may not get the happy send-off that we're looking for for Frankie Edgar here? I think regardless of who... 
Frankie was going to be fighting, I think the risk is there. Um, yeah, I, I, I really do. And Chris Gutierrez has a lot of decision wins, yes, but he brutalizes people when he's in there. Like with these leg kicks, he had a knockout finish in Columbus that we got to see. And I didn't really <clears throat> realize the tear that he's been on. No, he hasn't <laughs> lost a fight since 2018. He's on a seven-fight unbeaten streak. He's 10 years younger than Frankie. Uh, it's his chance to break into the top 15, get the biggest win of his career, and put Frankie into retirement. I mean, uh, I don't like this for Frankie. I'm like, I'm glad he's not fighting some young killer that's been starching everybody or fighting the top eight guy, taking that chance away from someone else. So that part I'm all on board with. But again, to get back to your initial question, I think regardless of if it's Chris Gutierrez or someone else in the very back half of this stack division, the risk is there when you're 41 years old, when you've been put to sleep in back-to-back fights, I think the danger is there regardless. And it sucks to say that. It's sad to say that. Um, but even the odds are saying that as well. I mean, Chris Gutierrez is a minus 220 favorite going into this fight. And Whoa, I didn't very, know that, actually. Yes, minus 220 going into this. So Wow. I can't say it. It surprises me. I, I guess I am a little bit that maybe the name value of Frankie Edgar wouldn't uh, maybe carry him more to a more favorable line, but we know that's not really how Vegas does things, Dom. So um, I did, I didn't, I hadn't looked at the line to be honest with you guys. As it's been rolling across our screen, I haven't even looked. So that was a shock, actually. I'm, I'm very surprised by that. But yeah. it, in the same way, Chris Gutierrez is dangerous. I mean, just a dangerous he's a good fighter, fighter man. You know, you gotta wonder, like, not that this would be a more winnable fight for Frank Yeager, but you got to feel like, man, a fight with him and like a Sun Sal would have been like the right move, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Sun Sal looked great in his last fight. Like he's definitely still, you know, he beat Victor Henry who had looked really good before that. But, you know, a guy who's probably not going to knock out Frank Yeager, like he might, he might submit him, but you know, you just don't want to see Frank Yeager get slept here in NYC. Right. You know, it's just, you don't want to see that. Gutierrez just has some of the nastiest leg kicks in the whole game. Yeah. Um, he's teammates, by the way, with Jonathan Martinez, and we saw what Martinez did to Cub Swanson. Um, mm, so the leg kicks over on that team, they are just lethal. But uh, I'm, I can't help but root for Frankie Edgar in this spot. But yeah. admittedly, it's a huge opportunity for Gutierrez to get a top 15 number next to his name. So... Um, if he wins, there is a bright side to this. It's a, the thrill and the agony, right? Of course. A hundred percent. It really is one of those where you want to see this guy in Gutierrez get that big chance, crack in, get that one win to let mm. people know about him. But it would come at the detriment of an all-timer, a UFC legend, a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. That's where it hurts. Can we just get a draw and then, you know, <laughs> one of the fights of the year yeah. and then Gutierrez gets top 15 spot, Frank Yeager retires and then he just like make out in the octagon and then we're all happy and stuff, you know. That took a turn Anyways, there, but I'm here for next, it. <laughs> just had to slip that in, you know, yeah. there at the end. Yeah. Uh, next one, Dom. Dan Hooker returns to the division he never should have left. He is back at lightweight. <laughs> yeah. He's still ranked number 12. Uh, he's taking on Claudio Puelles. We do know a little bit about Claudio at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic has won a decent amount of money on betting on Claudio, and <laughs> yeah. his submissions are, what's the word, thorough. <laughs> That's yeah. what I'm saying. They're yeah. impressive. He's a very impressive submission specialist. Going up against Dan Hooker, who we have not seen look great 
since what the Dustin Poirier? I mean, fight? Dustin. Yeah, it would be Dustin. like he has that win over um, Nazareth Kelvin. Yeah, Nazareth Hawk Press. Kelvin look like. Yeah, uh, Nazareth Hawk Press. But I, you know, Dan Hooker was pretty much expected to win that fight, and I wouldn't say yeah. he looked great. Um, I mean, he did what he had to do to win, but really, yeah, the last time he looked really good was against Poirier, and that was a fight he lost. So yeah, yeah. it's been a while since we've seen him look like one of the top guys in this division. He's going up against a young, hungry guy in Claudio Puelles. Um What what kind of danger are we seeing here compared to – actually, I'm going to give you a better question because I don't want to just repeat the last fight. Compared to what we just discussed with Edgar Gutierrez, where you feel – pretty you know you're you're leaning gutierrez it sounds like if you had to pick a side mm-hmm. how does that compare to your thoughts here where maybe hooker's not quite as old as frankie edgar doesn't quite have retirement near as close on the brain but is in a similar spot where he's kind of at risk of becoming a bit of just another guy in this division you know how does that compare to the previous fight yeah i think for this fight i'm at the point with Dan Hooker that I just kind of, I, I feel like he's reached his peak. Like I know what Mm -hmm. I'm getting from him. He's a great fighter. He's in fun fights, but I don't know if he's ever going to make that next, that, that leap, get back into the top 10 again, beat a top five guy. do Do you feel like the game has passed him by a little bit? I don't even know if that's the term, but I'll tell you this. I think the Dustin Poirier fight changed him. I think being in a fucking fight like that changes your career. I think it changes your life. And uh, he's not been the same since that. I mean, he's lost four of five, the only win being against Nazareth, and that's a fight where he grappled the whole time. He didn't even really strike like we're used to seeing Dan do. And for Claudio, I think this is – you want to talk about someone that's – this is probably the most underrated fighter on this whole card this weekend, in my opinion. And he's getting a huge Mm -hmm. spot here against Dan Hooker. Yeah, good for him. I think – Yes, it is very good for him. I think this is a chance for him to do similar to Gutierrez in terms of getting that win. But a younger guy, 26 years old, he just defeated Clay Guida. He's a submission ace. All three of his wins in the UFC are by knee bar. You don't see those very often, especially someone with three of them in the UFC alone. That's crazy. That's a crazy stat. And he's just, I think he's well-rounded enough to compete on the feet with Dan. I I don't think that, you know, the lengthiness of Dan that we're so used to is not going to play much of a factor here. I think this is I, – I like where Playlace is at here, especially at underdog odds. I, I don't want to say he can sneak up and surprise a lot of people because, to me, I don't think it would be a surprise if he wins. But maybe to the grand public, the casuals that are going to be watching this, it would probably be a pretty big surprise. But don't be surprised, people, at all, because I think Claudio can win this fight. And I hope I answered your question in terms of like where I'm feeling with Hooker and my explanation there. Yeah, no, you did. And I do think – Across the board, I feel like stock is very low on Dan Hooker right now. Mm. Just the string of fights have not inspired a lot of confidence that that he is really ever going to get back to that top 10 level. And Dominic, you talked about the Dustin Poirier fight changing him. I agree with you. He really hasn't been the same since then. Let's not forget the fight where he's coming off of. Yes, it was at a 10 pounds lighter, but the beating he took from Arnold Allen... Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be hard to expect him to come in here and be able to just, I don't know, take the kind of punishment that he's been known to take throughout his career. 
you know, you got finished in the first round of fight that he wasn't, I mean, he got swept in that fight. Yeah. And here against Claudio Puelles, that's not the danger necessarily. Right. But I do think that that kind of beating and knockout and that kind of pattern of having that, having multiple fights like that, it just changes you completely as a fighter. Yeah. Not yeah. only in, when it, the fight's standing, but even when you go through all aspects of MMA, you just become slower, more te- more tentative, a little more nervous to really mess up. I mean, you and don't want to happen. Like Claudio, when yeah. that fight gets to the ground, uh, if he's nervous to make the first, to try to get out of it, make the first move, and risk getting uh, submitted, he's already fucked because Claudio yeah. Puelles is not going to make it when the fight gets there. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Next one, also in this lightweight division, Dom, two very underrated fighters, I would say, in this division. Brad Rydell taking on Hinato Moicano. Neither man ranked, but I think that shows just how stacked the lightweight division is mm-hmm. because both are phenomenal. But Hinato Moicano is, uh, I want to just note him specifically because he's kind of on my short list for underrated performances this year. The Alexander Hernandez performance, I've been raving about that for months. Mm-hmm. I'm like that guy in a soapbox. I'm just like, yelling about Hinato Moicano and what he did to Alexander Hernandez. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, just yeah. shut up. But, um, you know, Brad Rydell has also proven to be a phenomenal fighter, but Dominic, he's had a rough stretch as of late. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the Jalen Turner loss, Jalen Turner's just a son of a bitch in this division, man. That, the yeah. length on that guy, the power on that guy, uh, the submission capabilities on him, yes. like he's a real – danger to anybody and he made i mean that fight with him and right we were expecting fireworks yeah and we got them but they were one-sided for sure yes. so yes when these two come toe-to-toe you know also moicano very late replacement against rda back at ufc 272 mm-hmm. and he took an unreal beating in that fight um, maybe the fight should have been stopped probably yeah. should have been stopped the corner probably should have thrown in the towel but he fought through a five-round decision against RDA on very short notice. So both guys kind of coming in with some question marks, I guess, even if both yeah. have looked phenomenal at times. Mm. Who do you have more faith in showing up as the, the best version of themselves? Mm, uh, this is an interesting one, man. This is a mm. really intriguing fight to have on the prelims. <sighs> Who has a better chance of showing up as themselves to have that performance? Oh, man. I feel like I'm going to go Moicano, and I'm going to mm. kind of tweak it back to what we were talking about with Dan Hooker. Brad Rydell has, yes, he's on a two-fight skit. He's been stopped in both of those fights. One submission, one by knockout. Does that change the way he approaches this fight? Don't get it twisted, people. Moicano's dangerous. He's a dangerous mm. fighter, man, and he's good everywhere. Right. I mean, he's got he doesn't have a knockout in his entire professional record. He's got nine submissions, seven decisions, but he can compete on the feet. I know Brad Rydell is a phenomenal kickboxer. I understand that. But I think Moicano is going to be plenty competent enough to compete there. And if it does get on the ground again, Brad Rydell is coming off of being submitted in one of his last two losses. Moicano's an ace down there. More past the victory, too. I just think I have to lean Renato Moicano as well. So if I had to pick one, I think he could show up here quicker dare I say, than Rydell. I see some shades of Charles Oliveira and Hinato Moicano. Yeah, yeah. Two guys that came in, had a lot of hype behind them, were looked at as future players, had their disappointments early on, 
And while we saw what Charles rose to eventually, uh, Moicano feels like he's almost in the midst of kind of hitting that stride and mm-hmm. rallying off all these wins. I have a lot, a lot of faith in Moicano and his future. I've been so impressed with what I've seen. That RDA beating could be a factor for sure. You know, what kind of punishment can he take? He's not going to have the advantage on the feet. He does have a size advantage. Rydell's never going to have a size advantage yeah, in the lightweight yeah. division. So that's always going to be a part for him to have to work around, especially when he depends so much on his kickboxing. We saw Jalen Turner just like, mm. I mean, he just made it look so easy because yeah. of, I think a big part of it being the size difference. So Moicano, do I necessarily think we'll see that? No, I do think this is going to be a hard-fought fight. I actually expect this one to go to distance. That's one of those fights where maybe a lot of people would expect to finish, but I, I think that. both guys are very durable and both have a clear advantage in the fight, which is always kind of a concern when you're picking fights to go to distance or whatnot. Yeah. When one guy clearly can finish the fight on the ground and one guy can clearly finish it on the feet, well, the fight's got to go somewhere. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, it's hard to to say that, but I think both have good enough defense elsewhere to where we're not necessarily going to have to, we're not necessarily going to be looking at a quick finish. That's Hmm. just my opinion. I like that. I like that. Uh, Next up, Dominic Reyes makes his long-awaited return. He'll be taking on the Superman Ryan Spann. This is Hmm. number seven versus number 12 in the light heavyweight division. You told me before we started recording Dominic Ray is slight favorite here. But the question is, should he be Dom? Because Dominic Reyes has lost three fights in a row. That dates back to February of twenty nine of twenty twenty, excuse me, yeah. February twenty twenty. Yeah. He lost what was a very controversial many, including yours truly and Dom's truly, mm-hmm. would say that Dominic Reyes beat John Jones, the first man right. to legitimately beat him for the light heavyweight title. Yep. He loses a very close decision in Texas. Thanks for nothing, Texas, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Then John Jones leaves the division. It has opened up. The this the next coming, the next the future of the light heavyweight division can finally reach his throne. Oh wait, Polish power coming at you. Yeah. And Dominic Reyes got smashed by Jan Blahovich and that fight a big surprise for 2020. Obviously, Jan ended up, has now proven that he is, like, for real. But at the yeah. time, I think there was still a lot of hesitancy to buy in. And Dominic Reyes had proven he should have beat John Jones. I mean, look at him. Yeah. Takes time off. Comes back in a main event spot against your current light heavyweight champion, Yuri Prohaska, who was making his uh, sophomore outing in the UFC. That fight was amazing, back and forth. One of the best fights of the year. Mm-hmm. But then Reyes gets knocked out with a spinning Ooh. back elbow. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen him since. That was like May of 2021. Yep. yep. So over about a year and a half later, he's back here against Ryan Spann. I did all that kind of building up here to really ask you, I mean, Dominic Reyes is the favorite, but should he be? Well, I think he should be the favorite, but not a minus 220 favorite. That's a bit steep. That's a bit steep for my liking there, and I think it's just because of the danger that Ryan Spann possesses factored in with the um, notion that Dominic Reyes has been finished in his last two fights, 
um, pretty brutally in both of those two. And I get it, Ryan Spann's a submission ace more so, but he's got power, man. He's got yeah, he power does. on the feet. Uh, this fight's not going the distance, guys, I don't think. Because I think Spann's kill or be killed. And for Reyes, he's got to be coming out here with something to prove, right? It, I feel like his his biggest years of his prime, and of course, what is he now? He's 32, but he fought John Jones when he was 29. He's only fought three times during all that. You know what I mean? And one yeah. of them, he could have been the champion. It's just like, damn, tough prime years for Dominic Reyes. So the clock's ticking, and his first fight in a year and a half, as Noah said, there's got to be something that he wants to prove in this fight. And in one of our verbal sparrings from the past few months, you asked me, uh, who's a fighter that you could see make that run that's kind of been put down and unexpected return type run yeah and i answered with dominic reyes he's lost three in a row right but i just think he has that skill set there he's a natural gifted athlete played college football this and that very big guy in this division very high fight iq he has all the tools can he put it all together to reach that uh he's gonna have to show it on saturday because ryan span's very dangerous if he does we could be talking because he's still sitting there at number seven, but it doesn't feel like right now he is the seventh best in the world until I see it on it's Saturday. Good, yeah. It's a very good yeah. way to put it, Dom. I won't even add anything. I think you nailed it. Next one and finally, Molly the Meatball McCann taking on Aaron Blanchfield. There's probably a lot of people, Dom, checking their sportsbook apps and are shocked yeah. by the odds on this one. Molly McCann has had a great year. She has really bounced back in a lot of ways. She was sort of a middling fighter. And then what a year her and her BFF, Patty Pimblett, have had. They're mm-hmm. both signed to Barstool now. They're yep. huge stars in the making. Molly McCann has had two great knockout finishes this year. Yep. Or was the sec- the first one might have been last year? No, they were both this no, year. No, they were both this year. Yeah. yeah, they're both London cards, right? So, um so there's a lot of like I mean momentum is high for her and yet mm-hmm. she's such a massive underdog. Yes. That speaks to the excellence that is Aaron Blanchfield. You guys may not be as aware of who Aaron Blanchfield is. Yep. But you should because she makes great fighters look not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, look at what she did to who was it that fought last week? Um she she dismantled Miranda Maverick for three yes, rounds. Miranda yeah. Maverick. And we saw nobody's been able to do that to Miranda since. Yeah. And she made it look easy against Miranda yeah. Maverick. In an aspect of it made that Miranda Maverick excels at on the ground in the wrestling. Yes. yes, exactly. Aaron Blanchfield, if you had to ask me who's like a front runner in kind of this new wave of the of the women's flyweights who are climbing up slowly but surely, kind of taking over that top. She's the front runner in my eyes to be a future champion and a long-standing champion at that. So as much as I like Molly McCann, I don't love the odds, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, I have a hard time seeing her win this matchup because not knock on her, but I just don't know who's going to beat Aaron Blanchfield. She's that good, guys. She. The only thing that I have reservations about is – Molly McCann does have power, apparently, right? That's yeah. what we've seen. Yeah, and uh, and it's not she just does. power. It's unexpected spinning back elbow. You're asleep yeah. on the canvas. Nobody She's electric. Expected, nobody expects to get spinning back elbowed. Ask Dominic Reyes. We just talked about him, mm-hmm. too. I mean, you just don't expect that to happen. And that's why Molly McCann's been able to capture 
these, uh, what's the term? Lightning in a bottle type moments back to back times. This is the biggest stage for her. Let's MSG. Yeah, let's talk. Yeah, that's uh, continue because that's what I was gonna say. But I want you to continue your it, point. It, it's it's the like yes, they were in London. I get that. That's her crowd over there. But now, domestic soil here in the United States. MSG Madison Square Garden, one of the biggest pay per views of the year. Aaron Blanchfield, the New Jersey native, Noah, much like Frankie Edgar, it's mm. the hometown girl here. She's finally ranked Molly McCann, fight number twelve, Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, a lot more experience. Uh, I'll, well, a lot's a bit of a stretch, but more experience toward Molly, uh, more fight years, this and that. Aaron Blanchfield, 23 years old. I just I, I get a little nervous when I see minus 400. 23, mm-hmm. hasn't been tested. You got to feel like Molly's going to give her a test in this fight. Can she get through that? If she gets through the test, if she gets through the storm, Aaron Blanchfield wins this fight. But can she get through it that's the question that i'm going into this fight with so i already feel like i need to backtrack on my like i almost feel like i was like acting like it's a given that aaron blaine's gonna win and i yeah i, I want to take that back guys i don't i don't necessarily believe that because there's one big external factor here that dom was sort of hitting on that makes me think molly mccann could have a great chance to win this fight and it's because she's electric and Dominic, what better place to show off the new star than MSG? Aaron Blanchfield has quietly been excellent, but quietly is the key word because she's done it all at the great old UFC Apex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How is she going to fare when the lights shine brightest? How is she going to feel when perhaps she's getting booed by a lot of hometown crowd, yeah. Because she's not Molly McCann. Can't will she excel in that moment? She's twenty three years old, like you said. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. A to lot put on of some. pressure. Molly McCann has sort of had the scratch and claw. She's had her ups and downs in the UFC. She's going all out for this one because this is yeah. her moment to shine. Yeah. You want you want to hear something? What's that? Molly McCann wins this fight, especially in um, – I'm not expecting another spinning back elbow or nothing like that. But if she can come in here and get a big win, convincingly beat Aaron Blanchfield, who has looked nothing short of dominant through her first three UFC fights. Don't say it. Molly McCann's the front runner for me personally as female fighter of the year. Oh, okay. That's not where I thought you were going. Actually, I agree. Okay. Completely agree. She's on my short list, so I, I'm yes. – we're on the same page there. If she wins this, man, I'm telling you. No, the, now, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Okay. Let me ask you this, because this is where I thought you were going to go. Okay. Yeah, I did. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so we got number 13, or number 12, excuse me, versus number 15, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, back half of the top 15. Yeah. What are the odds, percentage, that if Molly McCann does similar to Blanchfield, what she did to her two previous opponents this year, that they somehow find a way to give her a title fight. Oh, no, 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 no. Zero. Zero. Wow, you really... I mean, that was your Amanda Lemos moment right there. Yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> I get it. I get it. The hype is there. The star power yeah. is there. Right, capture it while you can if you're the UFC from a business perspective. But that, oh, no, no. No. I think if I agree wins, with though, you. I think if she wins this, she fights a title contender. I think she'll be one okay. win away. 
I'll give you that. I I agree with you. That's why I was like, oh my god, I'm like, please don't say this because no. I didn't want to like have to be the negative Nancy about it all. But, but if she you win, took they're, they're gonna push her if she wins this though. They will. Just she definitely deserves the, the main event. Main event with a crowd. If they do another, well, they're doing fight one night? thing on pay per view. Hmm. She could easily main event a fight night though if she wins this. Yeah, I, that's opinion. what I'm saying. I would have if this fight was a main event of like an Apex card. Like, yeah, you kind of need Molly to be in a crowd, but if it was the main event of a fight night right now, I'd be for it. I'm not going to hate it, yeah. yeah. So that's the kind of fights that I want for fight night main events. Yeah, of course. You want storylines on both sides, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I agree with you. I just wanted to throw it out because I thought that's where you were going. I was like, no, oh, no. no. I, said, <laughs> I said, here we go. But no, I, I do think it was worth asking. Because I do wonder if she wins this, I you know, you got you got to think she's got the whole bar stool backing behind her. We're big fans yeah. of bar stool. We're not yeah. we're not, but a lot of bar stool fans aren't necessarily MMA hardcore right. fans. Yeah. yeah. So there's going to be a big push if she comes in here and does that, like Molly for the title and all this stuff. You know, it's a lot of like what we've seen with Patty, but with this one, this would feel I guess more earned than the kind of hype we're giving Patty right now, while Molly mm-hmm. would have beaten a legitimate top 15, someone who I think is one of the best in the division. Um, yes. Yes. I would, I would actually, I'd actually go higher than zero. I would say I'd, I'd give it a 5% chance. 5%. Okay. Okay. If they gave Dan Henderson a contract when he, or a <laughs> title fight, when he was ranked 14th in the division, surely they, they, you know, those, those, those UFC rankings that, you know, are so legitimate. I'm sure they'd all of a sudden she'd go from third or twelve to to eight in a couple weeks just for no reason. So Molly can just say to if Molly wins, she can say her next fight's her last. She wants it to be her retirement fight for the title <laughs> in London on the pay per view card in March. Ooh, there it is. My man, that's the five percent. That's where it is, right there. Wow, that's crazy. We'll I leave like you guys it. with that. So. We are moving on. That's it for UFC 281. Kind of sad. Dominic. That's it. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I know. There's a lot of great fights on here. I mean, we, we could have talked about more, and I'm sure there'll be more to get into on Monday's episode once the fights actually yeah. take place. But yeah. Uh, I want to recommend everybody to follow us on social media because me and Dominic will be betting on this card. We will be posting those plays onto the social media. So if you'd like to. Come in our hole or fade the fuck out of us. Which you recently you should so. be fading. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Y'all missed <coughs> y'all missst that month and a half where you, yeah. were, you were yeah. ride or die. Yeah. Um you can follow us Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at the Bajma, the mm-hmm. B A J M M A. You can follow Dominic on Twitter, Instagram at DSleeve14. You can follow myself on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Yeah, he's I'm a there. Talk, I'm a, a TikToky. He's a, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> At T W I S underscore betting. I have a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So with that, Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here. It's with a little segment we like to call closing statements. The point of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything, MMA related or not. So Dominic, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Do you have a closing statement for this Monday edition? Or Thursday edition. What the fuck? Thursday am I edition. About? Thursday edition. Closing statement. What do I have? I'm trying to buy time. I don't know. I think I came. You in. want me to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. If I don't have one, I'll at least piggyback off what you say. I'd like to think. 
Yeah, I'm gonna give a special shout out to my local B dubs because due due to their fuck up, I had a great old I had a great old last couple days because yesterday I was like, you know what, I want some B dubs Tuesday. Of course, I prefer their bone in wings. So, you know, because Dominic's a child, so he it's in the archives. Go look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I big fan of their bone in. So Tuesdays they do buy one get one fifty cent for bone in. Mm-hmm. So I was going to get 20 or 10 and then 10 at 50 cents, right? So I ordered it through the website for delivery. Okay. okay. So when you do that, it automatically sends it to a DoorDash driver. It's like through DoorDash that it gets picked up. Now, when I ordered it online, it's not my DoorDash account like on my phone, like on the app. So it's like because I, I don't have that account connected to – I just – bought this meal as a guest, you know, on mm-hmm. B-dubs. So instead I get like text notifications saying like, hey, your driver's picking up your food, your driver's nearby, your, the ETA mm-hmm. is this time, whatever. Well, I get a notification saying your driver has uh, canceled this order. Say what? And it said that they canceled the order. Okay. Um, and it said to either to call the store to have them issue a refund or to pick up your food. Okay. I was like, man, I said the fuck. So I called and I'm like, Hey, you know, just explaining the situation, what it said. And she said, Oh, well I can't issue you a refund. Okay. Well, and she's like, but I can put your order just back into the system and then another dasher will come mm. get it. Okay. I said, great. Let's do that. She said, awesome. I did it right now. I said, great. Yeah. See you later. Hung up. All right. <laughs> so I'm sitting there for a little bit. I'm on the phone with my mom. And I'm like, you know, it's. I never got like any more text notifications. Like I didn't get an email confirming my order again or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I just felt weird about it. I'm like, I, I don't feel like this order is really going to get picked up and brought to me. Yeah. So about a half hour later, I called. Uh-huh. And I said, and I talked to another girl. And I was explaining the situation again. I said, hey, you know, I talked. I think I talked to someone else earlier. They put the order back in for me. Um, I said, I just want to make sure that that's being picked up or if I need to come pick it up. And she said, mm-hmm. oh, no, it's it, there should be a driver coming to get it. And I said, oh, okay, so you can see if it's pickup or delivery. She goes, well, our system's different than DoorDash's system, so, like, we don't really operate with whatever they do. And I said, oh, boy. And I'm like, well, okay, so is it pickup or delivery? She said, a dasher should be here to pick it up. She said, unless you canceled it. And I said, well, no, I didn't cancel it. But can you tell me if it says it's being picked up? Right. You know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I didn't really say that And you've got to be getting pissed, though, now. You're like a little... Not pissed, but I'm like trying to make it clear what I'm asking. And she's just not getting it. So... So I'm like, okay, so it should be getting picked up. Then she said, yeah, unless the driver canceled it or you canceled it, it should get picked up. But I'm like, okay, well, I didn't cancel it. Yeah. But I don't know if the driver canceled it because I said I haven't gotten any notifications. She said, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, "Uh, okay. I said, well, I'll call back in a few minutes then and see if it's been picked up. Okay. So sure enough, I call back like 20 minutes later. She said, oh, your food's right here. And I said, oh, so it hasn't been picked up yet? And she's like, no, it hasn't been picked up yet. And I was like, was well, it going to be picked up? And she said, a dasher should be by soon to pick it up unless you 
uh, unless you canceled the order or uh, the Dasher canceled it. And I said, okay, I'm going to assume the Dasher canceled it, so I'm going to be there to come pick it up. And she said, well, it also could have been that you canceled it. I said, I didn't cancel the order, okay? Yeah. yeah. And she said, oh, there's also two – there's another order here for you too. So I <laughs> – so what happened is when the Dasher canceled the first order, my food was done and ready. Okay. So when they put my order back in, oh, it, and the whole they new created thing. a whole new thing. So I walk in, I see two, 40 wings for 40 me wings. in two bags. Yeah. And I grab them both and I look at the two ladies, probably both of them who I had talked to at different points. I said, am I good to just take these? And they're like, well, are they yours? I'm like, yes, they're mine. <laughs> like, am, am I good to just take them? And she's like, yeah, you're good. And I said, well, I only paid for one of them. Like, I checked my bank account. Like, it only mm-hmm. taken out for one. And they go, well, it's going to get thrown out anyways. <laughs> oh, I respect so, <laughs> I respect that line right there. So okay. I left with 40 wings. So I got another 20 in the fridge and uh, <laughs> nice. may, may eat them tonight. I mean, what a fat ass, right, guys? So, I mean, it's just... <laughs> But uh, yeah, so B Dub, shout out to them for their fuck up. I, I had a good night, and I'm gonna have another good night. Hell yeah! And watch, I'll just and add, watch some uh, and watch some action. Doesn't get better than action. I'll just add on, not a whole other closing statement, but I actually you reminded me when I was in Columbus this past weekend. We got B Dubs on Saturday for the during the fights, and we tried the Sauce Gardener Sauce Sauce, and it was pretty Ooh. solid. So. It was pretty good. Sauce Gardener Sauce yeah. Sauce? Yes, that is the name of it. I know, it's a lot of sauce. Wait, it's it's Sauce Sauce? It's Sauce Gardener Sauce Sauce, yes. That's There's the no name. way that's what it is. I, Please I flash flash a picture of what it says on the website. Okay. Flash so it. as you guys are clearly seeing, it says Sauce Gardener Sauce and Dom. I hope they didn't confused. clearly see that. That's what would be funny about it. But anyway... Uh, Sauce, it was pretty good. Shout out University of Cincinnati local down here. So yeah. yeah, was it pretty hot? Um, it was pretty mild. Not gonna. It's blow not your in our hot category, hot. you know. Yeah, it was an interesting flavor mixture. I don't know quite what they did to it, but it was it was good. Mm. It was pretty good. Because I handle Along- ma- I handle mango habanero pretty good, and that's above sauce garden yeah. or sauce. That's sauce, definitely so. hotter. That's definitely hotter. Okay. Well, my name's Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the below average Joes, and we will see you guys on Monday. Stay saucy.